welcome to episode 75 of Yins Are Good, the podcast that shares and celebrates all of that good stuff that is going on out there and all of the good people who are making the good stuff happen. I am your host, Tressa Glover. I'm really glad that you've joined us today and I hope that you're doing well. I know we are now really into the holiday season. And of course, it's always a very busy time and stress can accompany that. Of course, I do hope that in the middle of it all, you're finding that good time to share with your loved ones in whatever way that that can happen. And that you're also taking a minute for yourself because that's important too, even if it literally is 60 seconds or... (laughs) 20 minutes, but doing something for you too. And so I wish you well during this time. And I also hope that all of these weeks are filled with laughter as well as love and gratitude. I hope all of your weeks of the year are filled with all of those things as well, of course. And, you know, speaking of gratitude, uh, since our last episode, Uh, I attended uh, a funeral service for a dear, dear friend. He was actually my piano teacher starting in seventh or eighth grade through high school. Also, the father of Denise Munson of the Emma Munson Foundation, who has been featured on the show and uh, who is also a dear friend of mine. But her dad, Mr. Martyr, as I will always call him, I knew him way back. And we have such wonderful memories. My lessons would be Saturday mornings, usually maybe around like 10 or 11-ish. And my mom would always cook for him, you know, because kind of like a brunch hour. And my mother was an amazing cook. So she'd be whipping something up and I'd be doing my lesson and then he'd be eating and there'd be, and it was, it was an event, you know, it was, it was just special time every week that we had. And oh my gosh, talk about laughter. And really he just became one of my favorite people and such a generous person and what a wonderfully long and wonderful, that's right, wonderfully wonderful life that he lived with six children and I think 14 grandchildren and just being able to remember him. But my belief, he is still around. And I also believe that he and my mother right now, she probably met him with a plate of food uh, as far as I'm concerned, but I'm just feeling so grateful. And I carry a book with me. He gave me, uh, when I was moving to New York City right after college, he gave me the seven spiritual laws of success that book by Deepak Chopra and he inscribed it. And that book has gone with me. I've had it by my side for every move through various states, through that thing. It is always on my nightstand. It's always in a very special place. And so of course I've been rereading his, what he, he wrote to me, especially over these last couple of weeks. So I am filled with gratitude for having had him in my life and the memories and then his extended family, because you may remember as well that what we talked about when the Munson Foundation was on, that I also ended up teaching 
Denise and Mike's daughter, Emma, after whom the foundation is named and it's, it's, uh, was created in her honor. I ended up teaching her, uh, and she had a different last name. And so we didn't know at first. And then she said, I think my grandfather taught you piano because your senior picture is still up on his, <laughs> on his, you know, court board. And I, oh my gosh. So we instantly bonded. And so, you know, instantly bonding in that way and then really getting to reconnect with him. Having that family in my life in many ways has been so special to me. And so I'm filled with gratitude uh, for Mr. Martyr. Yins are good. And so let me tell you what else. We're also, we have a little more about gratitude today coming up. You may recall... I took part in the show Off the Record in October at the Byam Theater, where it was, uh, you know, all things, a satire of all things Pittsburgh from the year before, an annual event that benefits the Greater Pittsburgh Community Food Bank. And we set up a little Yin's Are Good table in the lobby. And we had a whiteboard there asking folks as they came by if, if they wanted to share anything that they might be grateful for. So I'm going to share those with you. And also, Annette Hostoffer reached out to us, and she reached out about her book, Pittsburgh Dog and Frog. Oh my gosh, this book. And it is her first foray into children's book writing. She is a local right here, lives in Mount Washington, as you'll learn. But she reached out about this book and about how it came to be, and I said, yes, please come on the show. And ready for this, as fate would have it, in that same, like, 10, within 10 days, I also received an email from my friends at Kate's Kid Book Bash, who we featured in episode 47, Betsy Fitzgerald and Leah Pileggi wrote about their upcoming Kids Book Bash on December 3rd, and some upcoming programming, and they said, oh, could, you know, could we maybe come back on the show, and you know I love doing that to keep everyone, you know, keep us all updated on these folks that I get to talk to, what else is happening? And I said, oh my gosh. So all of that is coming up in this episode. I'm so excited. And of course, do I need to say it? I'll say it. Name that neighborhood. Don, once again, we never know how it'll go, but he is waiting in the wings as well. Just a reminder, if you do want to reach out to us here, yinsaregood at gmail.com is the way you get a hold of us. So if, as these folks did today, they, you know, if you have an idea for the show, if there's someone, you know, you'd like me to feature on the show, but also, of course, we want to hear your stories. We want to hear about acts of kindness. We want to hear about people you're grateful for, moments that you're grateful for. Let's keep getting the good stuff, the good news, the good people out there for each other. So yinsaregood at gmail.com is how you do that. Thank you again so much for being here. And let's get on to that good stuff. All right. So straight from that whiteboard that was in the lobby of the Biome Theater, we had written on there, today I am grateful for, and here is what folks wrote, my health, work, science, art, my students, my wife, nine years of great health since a quintuple bypass, 
for my freedoms, Pittsburgh's cultural scene, friends who love to go downtown, my family, laughter, being alive. And I am going to add to that. Today, I am grateful for my family and my friends who have become my family. So to all of you, thank you for sharing. Yins are good. Hello, Leah. Hi, Tressa. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Oh, it's so nice to talk with you. Nice to talk with you, too. I've been looking forward to this. Oh, I have, too. So here we go. Let's talk. Can, can we start just talking a little about Kate? Can you tell us how you first met her and maybe what you kind of loved most about her? Kate DePirick. Yeah, she um, she's an amazing person. Um, we were both members of the Society of Children's Book Writers and Illustrators, the SCBWI, a mouthful. Um, <laughs> and we are we're members in the Western Pennsylvania chapter. There are chapters actually all over the world. Um, but at our particular chapter, she is someone I had known just through the organization. Um, so uh, people who write, people who are creatives know that there's a lot of rejection involved in writing, dancing, singing, whatever. Um, and we mm -hmm. kind of need to prop each other up sometimes. And I would say that Kate DePirick was one of these bright, shining people who was always there for any of us who were having a tough time or we had gotten rejection. She was always there to hold us up. So um, she's just a lovely person. She had been a teacher. And um, when she passed away, it was it was pretty sudden. And it was devastating to us because it was sort of like the light had gone out. And uh, and we we still miss her. But yeah. she had four beautiful picture books that she created, and uh, we're so happy to feature them at, at the Book Bash. Oh, my gosh. And so, and, and also, too, I just think what a, a testimony of, you know, the, those words that you just said. What a wonderful way for what your legacy to be for people. Yeah. That's yeah. really, Yeah. So let's, so let's talk about first, we have a few things to chat about, but you do have this event coming up December 3rd. It's Tell us so exciting. So Kate's Kid Book Bash is, it's actually um, more than just one event, but this is our big annual event. This is our big children's book festival and it's children and YA, young adult. We are going to have 26 children's authors and illustrators. Oh my gosh. Yes. Many of them are local. We have a lot of people coming in from out of town this year. We want a very diverse uh, bunch of authors uh, with a lot of different types of books for kids. So we have 26 authors coming. They will be signing their books, the, meeting the public. We have craft events going on. Um, we will have story times. We're going to have the um, Latino Community Center is helping us out to do a Spanish story time. We have a storyteller coming and uh, our local author, Sally Alexander, will be talking about her guide dog 
and the books that she's written. So we have a lot of great things going on on oh December gosh. 3rd. Yes. So the so what is the time frame here on that day? So the location is the Kingsley Center in East Liberty, and the time is 11 to 4. Come by, come by, bring your kids. And I'll tell you, books are great gifts too. So, uh, you know, keep that in mind. We have two indie booksellers who are local. We love to support indie bookstores. We have Riverstone and we have Stories Like Me, uh, both bookstores in Pittsburgh, and they will be selling books. Um, Riverstone will be selling books for that are written by our authors, and Stories Like Me are going to be selling books in languages other than English, uh, mm. children's books in other languages. So, I love this. I love this. So 11 to 4, and so folks can just come by. Is, where can, can we go to learn perhaps like timings of certain things? Because I know you mentioned specific crafts and such going on or yeah we have a schedule on our website it's kateskidbookbash.com um i know it's a mouthful i know it's a lot <laughs> but you know that's that's really what we felt we wanted to call it but it's kateskidbookbash.com is our website we you can link um click on the link for the schedule and it will show the various story times that we're doing and it will also show the schedule of Daniel, the Westminster winning dog, who's also going to be at the book bash. <gasps> okay. I, okay. Listeners know how I love dogs. And okay. <laughs> oh my gosh. So his owner, Tammy Tomlinson has written a picture book about their experiences and Daniel will be there all day. And he's going to be doing a little presentation at various times. Oh my so, gosh check on our website. You'll see on the schedule uh, when he's going to do his little presentations. And I haven't met him personally either, but I can't wait. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. I'm so excited. I am going to be stopping by. So great. Great. You know, I'll be checking. I mean, I can't miss Daniel. I got to make that work. <laughs> well, also since, you know, I have you here, can we talk more? Because I know also you have, you know, additional program programming throughout the year. Yes, we do. And some other partnerships and, and collaborations. Can you just tell us a little bit about those? Yeah. So our mission is to connect kids, books, and authors, and to really get kids to enjoy reading. And this is really about Western Pennsylvania and Allegheny County. We're really looking at trying to help be the most literate city for kids. Mm -hmm. um, and that means all kids. Um, so we're reaching out to all sorts of different organizations. And uh, we have created a partnership with the Jewish Family and Community Services um, organization called Bridge Builders. And they work with refugee families. And our part specifically working with refugee kids will be to get books to them. Now they will be some books in English to help them. Obviously they're coming here, they're, they're trying to fit in, which is, you know, a lot of kids reading books, they're trying to see themselves and try to understand how they belong in the world. So there will be books we will get for them in English. There also will be books that will be in their languages, in Swahili, um, in Farsi, um, 
in Arabic, what you know, whatever languages. So we are working actively and we have already gotten some funding to get books into the hands of these kids. Mm. And it's so, I mean, it's, this is an understatement, but that's just so important. And what the JFCS is doing, they're doing such great work with um, all the folks making their way over here. Oh, I love that. What a great, you know, collaboration and, and, and getting all of those books to the kids. And uh, there's another um, connection we have, and that is with the Allegheny County Family Centers. Um, within Allegheny County, there's, um, I believe there are somewhere around 26 or 27 family centers. Some of them are physical locations and some of them um, help in neighborhoods, but don't necessarily have a specific space. But um, we've already done one event with the East Liberty Family Center. Um, in the summer, in June, we were so lucky to have Jerry Kraft, who is an author illustrator, Newberry winner for his um, uh, graphic novel called New Kid. We had him come into Pittsburgh and he worked with the kids and did an illustration workshop. Uh, and it was just a wonderful connection. And we plan to do this every summer to, to bring in a summer author, possibly an illustrator each summer if we can, because the kids really connect with that. And we're actually doing another event during the book bash with kids from the family centers. And uh, our author illustrator who's gonna be here is um, Daria Peoples. And she is gonna do a drawing workshop with kids from the family centers. Um, and this has come up kind of recently. So if there's any, any families um, connected with any of the family centers, it doesn't have to be the East Liberty Family Center. Um, and the kids would like to come to the drawing workshop, you know, let them know. And uh, we would love to see them there. She's very excited about working with the kids. That is something. I, and I love, of course, that element of it, the drawing aspect for kids. I mean, what that can do when that does what that does for imagination also, you know, you're reading, but you're also Yeah, yeah, to me, it's magic. And the things that they come up with with just a few lines blows me away. Yeah. But, Jerry Craft was just amazing. He was so gracious and he did um, drawings for any of the specific people who were there, even for the adults. Like you said, we love it too. Yeah. And it's so, it is, it, what a, well, of course, what, what a talent that is. And also I think for kids too, having kids exposed to that as a potential for an outlet or a career. That's right. Right. And the other thing is being able to see that books aren't just something that uh, just sit on a, on a shelf like a rock. A, a human being actually creates a book. And mm -hmm. when you have the author and the illustrator and you can show how the pictures work with the words, it's kind of an eye opener for kids too. I think to understand there was a person who actually thought of this and put these things together to create this story. Um, mm. I don't know if you like picture books, but man, I have a whole stack. <laughs> <laughs> I do. Oh, I do. And I, you know, I meant to ask you, so you, as far as yourself as a writer, what are, yeah. what, what style, um, if that's the right um, word to use. Genre. Maybe. Genre. Thank you. Oh my goodness. Thank you. Or so like much. a micro genre because yeah. I, you know, I do children's writing, but um, writing a picture book is completely different than writing a middle grade novel. 
I've done both. I'm, and I'm in the process of doing both. Um, but it's a very different type of writing to write a picture. But people say, oh, well, there's only a few words in there. Yes, that's why every single word carries so much weight. Um, and so it's really something different uh, than writing novels. Um, I have published uh, a middle grade novel called Prisoner 88, which was set in the 1880s uh, based on a real kid who went to prison back in the 1880s for shooting a man who had threatened to kill his father. So mm. it's based on a real person, um, but it is um, historical fiction. Um, so I did, I have published that and I'm working on a lot of other things right now. Um, and also Betsy Fitzpatrick, who, you know, the two of us have done this together. She's also a children's writer. Oh, so Prisoner 88, I was just writing that down. Where can we go to learn more about your stuff? Before? Well, I have a website too. It's uh, just my name, leahpileggi.com. And you can go to my website and you'll see the book. Um, it's been on state reading lists and it was a uh, called NCTE, the National Council for Teachers of English, notable book. And, mm -hmm. uh, you know, it's won some awards. It's also, it's not a huge long book. So it's, it seems to be good for third, fourth, fifth graders who we would consider to be reluctant readers. Ah, I don't like history. Ah, I don't want to read. Uh, the, a book's too long. Um, so I hear a lot from teachers and from, from kids who say, you know, I like this. And teachers telling me, now the kids are reading other things because they find out that they can handle this. So, yeah. Wow. Congratulations. Thank you. That. And that it is true, right? It's, it's finding the way in for kids. And of course, every kid is different, but find, you know, finding that way in and that's great. I'm going to One check it out. I can't wait. Thanks. Um, yeah, one thing that's really grown is the graphic novel. Graphic novels have become really, really big because the story is there. The story is still the same. It's just, like you said, it's a sort of way in for people who may be reluctant readers. So, uh, yeah, graphic novels. You go to the library, the, the, they're expanding on the shelves. Mm. Yeah. Do you? I know this is kind of a big question. But, you know, I'll ask it. Okay. Do, you, <laughs> do you have, could you say, you know, maybe what your favorite part about doing Kate's Kid Book Bash or just something that maybe you love the most about it? Wow, there's a couple of things that come to mind right away. Um, I love working with Betsy because she was a very close friend of Kate's. And um, we really feel Kate with us when we're doing this. But Betsy and I are like, we just get things done. It's pretty funny. We, we created this out of nothing. And the two of us, it's kind of astounding to stand back and see, you know, how well we work together. So that's one of the things. Mm. And the other thing is that we, we be, in addition to getting books into kids' hands, we want to support other authors. And we love being around other children's authors. As you might imagine, we talk about things that a lot of other people probably don't talk about. <laughs> like, um, you know, hey, I had this character that wrote something and I don't remember writing it. And that has happened. <laughs> uh, or, you know, talking about the business, just the, the, the small things about agents and editors and, and the business itself. It's just so great. And that's one of the things about having 26 authors 
at the book bash, um, sometimes when you go to a book festival, people are sitting at a table and they put them in the corner and you walk over and maybe chat. We're going to be in the center of the room. We're there because we are a community and we just want to talk to everybody. Yeah. So yeah. I think I'm really looking forward to that. Just being able to chat with everyone. Mm, what fun. Well, thank you so much for this chat today. Well, thank you. I, and thank you for doing what you do because it's so positive and it's so Pittsburgh forward. And, um, I, you know, thank you for just all the pieces that you do. Mm, I appreciate that. Thank you. Because of folks like you, I have stuff to do. <laughs> so, you know, <laughs> well, I can't wait to, um, I hope, and I, I would assume I'll get to meet you in person on the third, which will be awesome. I'll be the person running around like a chicken without a head. So you'll find me. <laughs> I won't hold you down for too long. I'll be like, bye. Okay. Keep moving. <laughs> Wonderful. Thank you so much. Okay, Tressa. Thank you again. So nice to finally connect. I'm just so looking forward to this. Wonderful. Oh my gosh. Me too. Me too. I'm just, th thank you so much for, for reaching out about your book. Indeed. Indeed. I have listened to some podcasts. The, the most recent one I listened to, it was, a, um, I did some backdating because I wanted to hear the one that you did with Love Pittsburgh, that store. And um, I love that store because they sell all local artists and they sell my book there. So I, I particularly wanted to hear that one. Yet, yeah, you know, what is so funny is that I saw that after, as I was getting ready to talk to you and I forget what link I found that, oh, that you did a reading yes. um, of your book. And I said, does that say Love Pittsburgh? <laughs> Indeed. Yes. I did a story time there at Love Pittsburgh. Um, it was, it was wonderful. Oh my gosh. They're so wonderful. They really are. I like how they work with local artists. So I play the part of the dog when I do story time and my husband plays the part of the frog. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I love that. Yes. I love everything about that. So let, as we just live, we're just going to keep talking about your book, but can we first, you want to tell all of us just a little more about you? Yeah, that would be wonderful. So I live um, in the Mount Washington neighborhood of Pittsburgh. Uh, I live with my husband and our dog. We live on the west side of the mount. So we call it the mount here. That's kind of our shortcut for Mount Washington. <laughs> I live toward the Duquesne incline, um, uh, that incline. So it's about a mile away from the Monongahela incline by walking one mile. I've walked it many times. So my professional background is not writing children's books. <laughs> I have a degree in journalism and I like to write. And I've always done a lot of um, marketing type writing plus grant writing for my full-time job. So this was kind of a very different writing, but I have to say it was a lot of fun. And so can we talk about kind of how, how the book came to be? I know similarly uh, with this podcast that it, it was born out of the pandemic, so to speak. Yeah, yeah, the pandemic. So um, that was the catalyst for this book. Um, in March 2020, 
we all remember that date. Mm, <laughs> yes. Around, <laughs> I think it was around St. Patrick's Day thereabouts yeah. uh, when we were all told, go home, lock your doors. So it was a, it was a scary time and it was, there was a lot of uncertainty and um, um, unhappiness, you know, as you watch TV, it was also sad and um, needless to say, with people getting very sick and hospitalized and worse. Um, so I had a lot of time on my hands during the weekends when things were in lockdown. And um, well, to add to that, my dog passed a few months before COVID. Mm. And so I was really missing him, especially all the walks that we took. And we walked a lot. So a friend told me, you know, why don't you start a journal and just jot down all of the happy times that you had with your dog, places that you went, people that you met, all those things. So I did. I started to write a journal and um, it took me to a happy place. I, I didn't quite forget about COVID, but uh, I, <laughs> I, you know, that was always in the back of my mind, but it took me temporarily to, you know, to a happy place. So, um, all that free time of not being able to go to movies and restaurants and museums, I just kept writing and writing. And so my journal got bigger and bigger. And I thought, you know, there, this would be, this is my book. I've always mm. wanted to write a book that was always in my bucket list. And so more specifically, I started to reminisce about all the Pittsburgh places that we walked with our dog. Um, anywhere from parks to the riverfronts and across many Pittsburgh bridges. <laughs> and um, I especially liked walking on Mount Washington. We have a walking trail that is about nine miles and it's called the Emerald Park Trail. So I thought, you know, these were some really happy times and the world is just so sad right now. I'm going to turn this into a book. And um, I recalled one of the happiest memories uh, of places that I visited with my dog was in 2013. And you, you might remember this if you were in Pittsburgh at the time, <laughs> but a big rubber duck came to Pittsburgh. <laughs> oh, yes. And he sailed up the Ohio River and he was going to be docked near Point State Park. And it was, there was just a lot of excitement about it. It was just a really fun thing. So we took our dog there and to Point State Park and we got lots of pictures with a dog, with the duck. And um, I sent, lots of uh, media outlets were having contests. Get your, send us your best, best picture with a duck. So I did. I had a picture with our dog with a duck and uh, they featured it on KDKA and they featured it in the Post-Gazette. So I thought, Aww. wow, this was a great picture. So I said to myself, that's the book. That's the book. But instead, I'm not going to do the duck because I might someone who the creator of the duck might get mad. <laughs> right. So um, I changed it. I changed the character to a frog. So the storyline is, is that the dog who um, the dog in the book is named Heinz and a little sidebar that really was the name of my dog. Oh, I, and I did see, cause I have the book in front of me, which I love this book, 
But just wanted to say there's just such a great picture of your dog Heinz right there. A little Yorkie. Yes, that's, that's Heinz. That's Heinz. (laughs) And during the 14 years that we had him, we went so many places um, and everything outdoors. So it occurred to me, gosh, we're in lockdown. We can't go anywhere. Kids have to be homeschooled. Um, Wow. What are kids doing? What do they do? Movie theaters are closed. Chunky cheese is closed. All those places are closed. (laughs) So I thought, gosh, there's a lot of places to go and it's all free and it's all outdoors and it's all open. Everything else is shut. And wouldn't it be fun to write this book so that kids could read it and get engaged with the community in which they live. And they can visit then all the places in the book um, that are referenced in the book and their parents can take them to all, all of the fun places in the book. Um, so the dog and the frog, they, they meet on the river, they, they, they coast along the river, they learn about bridges and buildings, and then the dog and the, and the frog, through some magical moments in the book, hmm. the frog, who is a 57-foot frog, becomes small, and he has real legs, and he's able to now come with the dog all the way up to Mount Washington, and uh, they keep touring throughout the city. And it, well, first the 57 feet tall, a reference to Heinz 57, I'm sure. You got that. <laughs> and <laughs> see, this is also good for us, you know, now that it's no longer Heinz Field, we have another Heinz in our life, Heinz the dog. Right. I, and I love so many elements. And I, you know, the, the part two, as you're saying, all of these landmarks and things to do, the of all of you know the rich history here in Pittsburgh, but getting that in in such a fun way for kids, right, right, and that was a tricky part to try to incorporate educational components in the book, but still make it readable for kids. Yeah. Um, and I think there are probably about a dozen fa- Pittsburgh factoids and um, illustrations. And um, some of them are minor references, such as um, Andrew Carnegie and pierogies and Myron Cope. But some I get into more detail, such as um, the Golf Tower. And I love that building. And I thought, well, how can I write this so that kids would understand what the different colors mean? And so the top three floors represent the temperature. So when the top three floors are red, in the book, I say, when they're red, it's hot enough to go swimming in Pittsburgh. <laughs> yeah, that was one of the, one of my favorite parts of the book. And that the, the I love that. I was scene say- has a full page with the golf tower and it's all lit yes. up red. And how cool is that about the golf tower? You know, so listen, some of you may be familiar and I know a lot of you uh, listen who aren't in Pittsburgh, but it's first of all, the design of the building very art deco, but it has these like step top, you know, these like steps at the top and they all light up and you'll see, oh, different colors and and it looks nice, but there's this whole other connection that's actually telling you things about the weather. 
Yeah. And it's, that's something the kids can relate to. Um, you know, so the top three floors are the weather. The other floors mean precipitation and humidity and things like that. And I didn't get into those details in the book. But um, and there's some other things that I, gosh, I wrote so many pages about P Pittsburgh factoids that I had to, I couldn't include in the book because it would have been, it would have been a novel and it would have been, I had to keep it short so that kids, so I had, to, I wanted to keep the book to 48 pages. And so there's a lot that I did some research on. I'm always intrigued by our bridges. And in the book, I say that Pittsburgh has more than 400 bridges. So that's kind of fun for kids to know, wow, that's a lot of bridges. <laughs> yeah. And oh, yeah. Uh, there was another, there was another factoid that I was doing some re research on and it didn't make its way in the book, but um, the bridges in Pittsburgh are all painted the same yellow color. So urban legend has it, has <laughs> that they call it the color Alamon, which stands for Allegheny, Monongahela and Ohio or Ooh. somewhere in that order. But that didn't make the book. That would be in the book sequel. So <laughs> I hope. And so, and, and you're speaking of research. Did you have to do a lot? Did you know, you know, had you kind of acquired these facts just over the year? You know, some of them things that we do here as we, as we go along. That's a really good question. It was a combination of both. Um, just from living here and just, I like to read. So I'm always reading. I read, I daily read the newspaper. And so um, th there are some things that I needed to expand on. So I did do research. I, the Carnegie Library of Pittsburgh was my go-to. Mm. So I borrowed books from the library. Gosh, it must've been oh, close to 20 books I borrowed and just went through different sources. I also, I called the um, History and Landmarks Foundation of Pittsburgh, and I talked to a wonderful person there who was helping to steer me in the right direction about the bridges um, and, you know, a lot of other things. So I, it was a combination of talking to people and, um, you know, just, just some research through, through the library um, that, really, that really helped me. And um, I learned a lot as well, you know, during the whole process. In fact, some, some people who bought the book, uh, adults, say to me, gosh, I've lived here in Pittsburgh all my life. And I never knew those bridges were called the Three Sisters Bridges. So fun facts like that. Yeah, yeah. Because it's true, especially when I think when you live in a place you kind of miss the things that maybe, especially as Pittsburgh keeps growing as a tourist place, right? People are coming here on vacations now, you know, and you, when you're living in a place, you don't tend to do the things or learn the things that other people do about that place. Yes, you are absolutely yeah. right. And there's always something, there's always something to learn. Um, my favorite bridge that's in the book is the hot metal bridge. Mm. And in fact, the frog, well, the frog notices that there's a lot of references to Heinz in the book and the dog is called Heinz. So the frog says, I want a name. And he, in the book, he says, I need a name, Heinz, and not frog just because I am a frog. Will you please give me a name, a real Pittsburgh name? So the dog, Heinz, picked out for his name, Hot Metal. So I thought that was kind of fun. So it's Heinz and hot metal. 
And I think um, it's great. So now Hot Metal the Frog says, why did you pick that name for me? There's so many other names you could have picked. Why did you pick that name? And so the, the dog says, because the Hot Metal Bridge is my favorite bridge. Many years ago, it was used by Pittsburgh steelmakers to move actual hot metal across the river on railroad cars. But it's been made over now. Half of it is for cars and trucks, and the other half is for humans to use for biking, running, and walking, and walking dogs, of course. So the, the frog says, I love being named after this wonderful bridge where people have fun. Hmm. And when I got to, when I did get to that part in the book or in the part about which bridge, and I thought, how creative, because when you're thinking of all the bridges, and even as they were going through, you know, different options of names, and the frog was like, no, no. And I thought, oh, hot metal, I didn't even think of that <laughs> yes, as that's a right. name, and I love it. Right, right. <laughs> because first the dog says, Hein says, would you like to be named Andrew Carnegie? And they, so that. That piques the interest because then then parents can explain who Andrew Carnegie was. Right. And then the dog says, how about pierogi? Pittsburghers love their pierogies. <laughs> and so the frog says, no, I don't want to be named of, of food of any sort. <laughs> and that's how they came up with the uh, with the bridge. Mm. And even and again, as I said, I have, you know, the book here and. Can we talk a second about these illustrations? Oh my goodness. And your yeah. illustrator. Oh, they're so good. Oh, that was, that was my most favorite part of doing this. Um, um, and it took about six months from start to finish. The illustrator, I was recommended a few illustrators. And so I, I reviewed their portfolios. And once I saw this illustrator, her name is Felix. I saw pictures, illustrations that she did of animals, and I just knew that she would be a great fit for the book. Mm. Um, but we still weren't done at that point. So first, I was advised to ask the illustrator for the two main characters, and we wanted to establish um, what's called character establishment. And so she, she did a sketch of a dog, she did a sketch of the frog and the dog was spot on. Perfect. Absolutely perfect. And the frog, I tweaked a little bit, gave him a little bit of a bigger belly and I wanted the frog to be yellow. So we worked on that. And um, the illustrator, I'm not sure if I mentioned, but she, she's not from Pittsburgh. Unfortunately, I tried to keep as many things as I could locally, but mm -hmm. this illustrator is, she lives and works in upstate New York. Mm. And the funny thing is that she was only in Pittsburgh once about when she was a teenager. So she didn't remember too, too much. So I coached her through a lot of things and I would draw, I would draw stick figures for her of where I, you know, where I wanted things, um, you know, on the pages. And um, she would send me a pencil drawing and then another pencil drawing and then we kept refining it for the, for the drawings that, that I wanted maybe some changes made too. And then finally she, she took it to color and the colors just really are, are really bright and happy and 
and um, a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. They're so vivid. There are actually 24 illustrations. There are? T- okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's a 48-page book, and half of it is illustrations. But again, kids really relate to the pictures. In fact, when my husband and I do story time at various places, I have the pictures blown up a rather large size. And every time we turn the page, then we show, you know, then we show the the picture so that the kids are looking so that they're, they're not really looking at me reading the book. They're looking at the picture. Yeah. And may, now may I ask about your husband? What is his background? Does he have... His background is not creative uh, <laughs> at all. Um, his, his, he has helped me a lot, though, with my, my lot of things that I had to do for the book, such as setting up PayPal and all those kinds of things. So I'm grateful for that. Um, his background is more math and computers. Um, and during the summer when I was working, well, for the six months that I was writing the book, I never showed him the text. I never showed him the illustrations because I wanted to surprise him. So when the book finally came from the printer, I said, here it is, it's done. And he couldn't believe it. He was, he read it many, many times. And how special too, as I'm thinking, you know, you were talking about this is your, or or how it started and, and remembering your dog and, and, you know, bringing Heinz to life again on these pages and for your husband too. Yeah, it really mm-hmm. was. And, um, you know, I dedicated the book to, to our dog and my husband and, you know, my husband did get a bit teary eyed about that. So I was really, Aww. that was pretty cool. I do have to, to give him credit for something. However, when I was writing the book, I started to write with the duck, with the rubber duck in mind. And it was all about the duck. And I, midstream, I had this moment thinking, oh gosh, maybe I shouldn't do that because the creator of the duck might not like that. Yeah. And so I got all sad. And I remember saying to my husband, I'm done. The book is dead. It's not happening. And he said, why? And I said, I can't use the duck. I think it'll be a problem. And he said, we'll change the animal. And I said, but what would the animal be? And he said, make it a frog. And that's, <laughs> that's how the frog came to be. <laughs> Aww. Right. It's true though, right? Sometime and, and, you know, we can get stuck and just, you know, you have that another person to say, hang on. And I love that too, that he, you know, his support of you and of the book that it was like, no, 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 you're not, you know, this isn't over. Let's just rethink it. Exactly. Rethink it. And I really like, it turns out that I think frogs are fun. They're floppy and goofy looking and hoppy. And it worked out really well when the frog and the dog went to the bakery. I have oh, to yes. say. Now the bakery really does exist. It is on Mount Washington. It's called the Grandview Bakery. That's something else I wanted to do was to tie in local local stores as much as I could. Yeah. Um, I also felt bad for uh, restaurants and local shops that were suffering during the pandemic. And I met the owner of the bakery and I told him about the book and he said, yeah, let's give it a shot. 
<laughs> and so the in the bakery, the dog and the frog, the, the frog junk, jumps into the bakery case and they're discovering icing and cookies and throwing cookies everywhere. And they also discover a Pittsburgh cookie table. <laughs> so that is another, I think that's one of the, uh, one of the grand finales of the book when they discover the Pittsburgh cookie table at the bakery. And yes. so the Grandview Bakery does sell my book. Oh. Uh, yeah. And in fact, I'm taking him an, um, another 25 tomorrow because it's the holiday season and this weekend is light up night. So he's hoping that a lot of people will, will come into the bakery for some goodies. And I was going to ask, where can folks find your book? So now we know one place. Yeah. So you can also, you know, go into that local bakery, buy some things and get your book. But where else can people go? Well, I have a website. It is pghdog.com. So that's pittsburghdog.com. And I send the book out myself. Um but it's also available at local shops. So besides the bakery on Mount Washington, it's available at the gift shop at the Duquesne Incline. Mm. It's also available at a bookstore called Riverstone Books. And that is in Squirrel Hill and also yep. the North Hills. And it's also available at all three Love Pittsburgh stores. And their stores are on Mount Washington, downtown in the cultural district, and also the strip district. We love, love Pittsburgh. Yes, <laughs> indeed. It is a wonderful shop. What fun. And just congratulations on this, on this book. Thank you so much. I'm so glad that you like it. Oh, I do. And I can't wait for listeners to grab one. Or two, as we are especially getting into the holiday season, but whenever. And I appreciate your time so much today and getting to talk with you and even hearing you read a little bit of, of your book. Thank you so much. It was such a pleasure to, to meet you uh, virtually through, through the telephone. And this is just, I love your show and what you do to promote, um, promote the good things and um, happy things. And I think my book... Books can take a reader to a happy place. And I really think my book does that. I agree. I was smiling the whole time as I'm reading it. I realized I was smiling. There, you know, there's that friendship relationship element to it of these, you know, two friends who watching, you know, this friendship form and brings yeah. a lot of smiles, I think. Yeah, that's a good point. The dog and the frog, um, they develop a friendship. They show companionship and a little bit of empathy um, a little bit of magic. And um, I think that's what a kid's book should be. <laughs> Absolutely. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you for doing um, Yins Are Good. I hope that you're happy with it. I do know that listening to it is a good thing. It really puts people in a good mood. And we all need that right now. <laughs> oh, thank you so much for saying that. And I, I, I enjoy it so much. And, if, and, and getting to meet people like you and have these great conversations. I'm just, I'm so grateful for that.
Hi, Don. Welcome back. Well, Heidi ho neighbor Tressa. <laughs> neighbor Tressa. Yeah. yeah. That's a callback to some um, 80s sitcoms. It sure is. Heidi ho We love a good callback. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. How are you? Great. Thank you for being here. Thank you for having me here. <laughs> this is episode 75. Don. What? I know. That's three quarters of a hundred. <laughs> you're you i mean you are a smart guy yeah so yeah wow and you know i think almost in celebration of that for mm-hmm. you there's 75 there questions are 75 oh man statements of fact talk about giving thanks <laughs> no there are only three what it's true it's nice. true nice you're welcome three for three quarters yeah mm-hmm would you like to know your neighborhoods? I would love to know my neighborhoods. More importantly, the listeners yeah. would love to know the neighborhoods. Yeah, yeah, I agree. We're going with Mount Washington mm-hmm. and yeah. East Liberty. Ooh. Mm-hmm. All right. Now, both of these neighborhoods have been on the show before. Sure. They have been. Making my job more and more difficult. And then there were three. <laughs> so, we're going to jump into it. What do you think? Great. I think this is a great idea. <laughs> and if I confuse it and say, you know, East Washington or Mount Liberty, just bear with me. <laughs> oh, we're creating new neighborhoods. We sure are, Don. Where once there were none. <laughs> Number one, a new addition to this neighborhood is the Steel Mill Saloon, which features over 30 brews and serves up a unique upscale menu. Mount Washington. Woohoo! Well done. It is. Are you familiar with it? I am not. So I know there's a lot of those bars and restaurants up on the Washington Mount. Yes, yes. yes. Let's talk about it. The Steel Mill Saloon, or Steel Mill Saloon, mm. uh, opened its doors in February of this year. <laughs> like, it was a surprise, surprise to me. Surprise to you. Wow. Uh, it is located on Grandview Avenue, across from the Duquesne Incline, uh-huh. at the intersection of Grandview and Oneida Street. Uh-huh. And it's located in the space that uh, used to be home to the old neighborhood bar, The Hut. So folks may be familiar with that. But it has been completely renovated. And the Steel Mill Saloon serves, as I mentioned, more than 30 brews, 10 rotating drafts of domestic beer and craft brews. Mm -hmm. Also, I'm going to give you some little... Tidbits. (laughs) I was going to say taste, but it's not really so tidbits. Right, right. Um, Some things on the menu. Their menu is really cool. They have, for example, they have all kinds of things. They have salads, tacos, pizzas, sandwiches, apps, you know, appetizers. Is that what apps mean? (laughs) In the the biz? In the biz, we call it apps. Call it apps for Um, short. They have a strawberry burra quinoa bowl, which is quinoa, burrata, Mm -hmm. strawberry, fresh Mm -hmm. herbs, almonds, and a honey lemon vinaigrette. Ooh, Mm. good. They also have seared ahi tuna. They have buffalo Brussels sprouts, 
deep fried deviled eggs. Huh. What? They got a mill worker burger. They also have specialty drinks, a nice wine list. We should go. I know. We really should go. Uh-huh. So we'll report back yeah. after we do. But for now, we're going to move on to number two. Mm. Yes. This neighborhood, I just sounded like Julie Child. This, this neighborhood. neighborhood began to develop commercially in 1843 after Thomas Mellon married Sarah Jane Nagley and Mellon began selling and renting the land that Sarah Jane had inherited from her grandfather, Alexander Negley. Hmm. Boy, that melon was a baller, wasn't he? <laughs> he's a he's oh a good old-fashioned melon baller. Oh, my God. Um, we're going to go with the East of Liberty. Please just say something. I was saying many things. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you of all people would appreciate a melon baller. A good old-fashioned melon baller reference. <laughs> Uh-huh. You are correct! Ding, 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 ding. So Sarah Jane's grandfather, Alexander, as I mentioned, was a German immigrant. <laughs> now, now you're Mrs. Doubtfire. <laughs> Sarah Jane's grandfather, it was a run-by fruiting. It was a run-by fruiting. Uh, he founded Highland Park. So, Sarah Jane inherits some of that land. And Mellon uh, then sold and rented it in many pieces and then used those monies to finance Pittsburgh's growing industries. Mm-hmm. He's the reason that so many industries were able to take off. He and then, of course, his kids, etc. Mm-hmm. Um, now, we don't know much about Sarah Jane. And so we don't know if she helped in these business land dealings. But what we do know is that at that time, by law, any land that a woman owned once she got married, it automatically became her husband's property mm. and not hers anymore. So, but he's probably doing these transactions himself. So, anywho, we know more about Thomas Mellon. He was an Irish immigrant who went on to become a lawyer, a judge, and then founder of a bank. Mellon Bank. Correct. Mm. That's correct. Now, when it was founded in 1869, it was originally known as T. Mellon and Sons Bank mm-hmm. and started out on the first floor of a two-story building on Smithfield Street. Hmm. Yes, it's true. And he founded the bank after, so yeah, he had been a lawyer, he was a judge, and he had kind of gotten burned out by it, and he wanted to do something else, and that was a little small endeavor. Yeah, no press. He thought he'd give a shot, you know, give give a shot. Well, talk about no press. No press. Here you are. Yeah. Number three. Yeah. In 1918... The National Biscuit Company opened a food processing plant in this neighborhood that would remain open until 1998. East Liberty. Is that a perfect score I hear? I don't know. It is, is a perfect score. Nabisco? Nabisco? Uh-huh. It is. And now that area is known as... Bakery Square. Bakery Square. Mm-hmm. So the National Biscuit Company was created in 1898 through a merger of the New York Biscuit Company and the American Biscuit Company. How many times can I say biscuit in 30 seconds? I don't know. Give it a shot. Uh huh. It would open uh, a Pittsburgh plant in East Liberty in 1918. Now, the company was known nationally as NBC at the time, but would be known locally here as Nabisco. That name eventually would catch on nationally and became the official name of the company, but not until... 
1971. Wow. I, I thought it was sooner than that. I would have said that too. The seven-story Pittsburgh plant was built on the corner of Penn Avenue and East Liberty Boulevard, and it was known for its fireproof stairways, natural lighting, right, got those big old windows, and its showers and locker rooms for its employees. Hmm. The bakery was expanded twice, first in 1928 with a four-bay, four-story addition added to accommodate a new bread bakery. And then again expanded in 1948 when 19 bays were added to make room for new band ovens, which moved dough on vast conveyor belts where it was spread, cut, and baked in a continuous motion. Hmm. At its peak, the bakery employed over 1,000 workers in Pittsburgh. Nuh-uh. Oh, it's true. Hmm. Yeah. And it ceased, the factory here ceased operations on November 19th, so this week in 1998. This week in Nabisco history. There you have it. Well, this week in Name That Neighborhood history. Mm-hmm. You are three for three. Thank you. You are welcome. I accept. <laughs> I've, I've earned it, but I also accept. Good, I like that. Yeah. I thank you. I thank you. Let's just give thanks. We should, yes. This week. I'm grateful for you, Don. I'm grateful for you, Tressa. Thank you. Hey. And I'm grateful for all your listeners. Aw. So then keep listening. I know. And hey, if everybody, if, if, if every listener could tell another listener to visit Tressa's Multiplying Good campaign <gasps> and maybe give thanks for all the good work that she's doing here on Yins Are Good with a small donation. Oh my gosh. Oh my. I know, because you won't ask for the money. I, <laughs> I have no problem asking for money for you. But visit Tressa's page and go to Multiplying Good and see all the good things she's doing. Thank you, Don. Yeah, and I either, appreciate that. you know, contribute or tell like five people. And then maybe one of them will contribute. And then they'll tell five people. And so on. And, and so, so on. And, and so, so on. on. <laughs> Thank you for that. Thank you for that. Hmm. Happy Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving, Everyone. And that will bring our episode number 75 to a close. I am still your host, Tressa Glover. Thank you again so much for tuning in and for joining us. And please reach out if you feel so inclined. That email is yinsaregood at gmail.com. Thank you. Thank you to Annette Hostoffer and to Leah Pileggi for the fabulous conversations. Listeners, please do check out our show notes for info on how to learn more about Kate's Kid Book Bash and everything that they have coming up, and also where to find Pittsburgh Dog and Frog. I wish you a really happy and wonderful week ahead as these holidays are are coming upon us. And until next time, my friends, be safe, be kind, be good. Special thanks to Sharon Eberson, Don DiGiulio, and always for our fabulous artwork, Mike Rubino.